If I'm talking a little low, I am literally, I've been in Vegas for a week, not in Vegas. I was at a church conference, okay? <laughs> Judgers. But um, I still have not transitioned from East Coast time, like at all. So I went to bed last night and I opened my laptop and it said 3.30 a.m. And I was like, what? It was only one here, right? That's how that works, right? Um, <laughs> like Pastor Brett said, my name is Rachel. I'm just going to get the team to throw a picture up of my family. I am uh, here lone rangering it today, but this is my husband, Matt, with the incredible golf tan. That, that's what that is. And it destroys every family photo since 2014. And the best part is, he's also a graphic designer. And I'm like, can't you Photoshop that? <laughs> like, it's destroying our reputation. Anyways, uh, that's my daughter, Charlie. She's five. And my son, London, he's four. And uh, they're the joys of my life. And um, like Pastor Brett said, we met your awesome pastors over 10 years ago. Can we just honor and thank them for the amazing work. You know how hard it is to come and start something from nothing? Like, I just want to give it up for Pastors Brett and Des this morning. We love them so much. And um, it's funny, we met them in a lunch line. There was no uh, crazy, miraculous, uh, skies opening, divine moment. It was literally a lunch line. And it was at a pastor's event in BC, and we were younger then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we were waiting for like juice boxes and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or something. Every time we tell that story, it gets worse and worse, but I'm pretty sure it was something bad for lunch. And uh, funnily enough, you ever walk into a room and you're like, nobody here gets me. That's what we felt like at that conference until we saw Pastors Brett and Des in the lunch line. And we're like, oh, my gosh, people that might want to talk to us. Or, um, and so we ended up going to the table and chatting. And so began a now over 10-year relationship and friendship. And 10 years ago, my husband and I were just married we had no idea what was to come, and now I stand here, and we have friends who are doing what we're doing in the same season of life, and it was all because of what happened at that lunch table. And I would say today that Jesus loves to meet people at the table. That's what I'm talking about today. See, people influence people, okay? That's as simple as it is. And if we want to influence someone's life, we have to spend time with them. We have to build a relationship with, with them. One of the best ways that we can do that is over food. And I have this joke at home because my husband and I became lead pastors about three months ago. And I don't know about you, but I am not confrontational. Like... I'm strong, but when it comes to, like, having to have sit-downs and stuff, I'm not your person. I'm like, get me out of here. I just, 
I keep everybody smiling and I'm, I'm, and stepping into this role, if you know my family, which you don't, they thrive in confrontation, okay? They are just like, my mom's a New York Italian Jew. I'm not being sarcastic. She was born and raised in Brooklyn, Long Island, the Bronx. She's done it all. And so I stepped into the shoes that they were in, and here I am, and I'm like, oh, God. And so I thought about it, and I'm like, Jesus, what did you do? And then I remembered that Jesus waited until dinner time to announce that somebody was going to betray him. Have you ever thought about that? They're all sitting around a table, and they were reclining back then and eating their bread. And he said, you know what, guys? Some of you is going to, like, completely betray me. And I put two and two together and thought, I'm taking all of my meetings to Starbucks or to a restaurant because everything is better with pizza. Everything. Every hard conversation, every confrontation somehow goes better when there's food involved. And I'm not talking about confrontation today, but I'm just trying to give you a picture of, you know, food has a way of letting people let their guard down. And um, I grew up in an Italian family, and food, sitting down around the table was a way of life. And even, like, the roughest around the edges person needs to eat. Everybody needs to eat, okay? Maybe you don't. Does anybody else need to eat? I need to eat on a regular basis. And this is so something that in church we love to talk about church services and we love to talk about special events and the next big thing that we're doing. And I believe that we've overlooked the table. We've overlooked the very thing that Jesus used to reach people. If you go to the book of Luke, there are nine meals recorded in the gospel of Luke. Jay Crossan, who's a scholar, states that if one were to watch a day in the life of Jesus, he would either be healing or eating. That's what's recorded. Or praying. Okay? So in the gospel of Luke, there's nine meals recorded. As a matter of fact, as a through line through the entire book, Jesus was literally going to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal. That, like, why are we not talking about that? There's, there's a specific purpose and a reason for this, okay? I'm, I'm just, Luke 5, he eats with tax collectors. Luke 7, he's anointed by the prostitute in Simon the Pharisee's house. Luke 9, he feeds the 5,000. Luke 10, he eats with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and so on and so forth. So back in this day, history lesson, um, the wealthy people's dining rooms were actually on the street. So we have our houses like 40 feet from the street, keep as far away from me as possible type thing. In this day, the wealthy people, the Pharisees, the tax collectors, the people that Jesus was eating with, their dining rooms were open to the street. So every time you see a moment, have you ever thought, about Jesus when he's in with Simon the Pharisee, this woman, this prostitute, it literally says she comes in the house and breaks open a year's worth of wages of perfume all over his feet. 
Have you ever asked yourself, how in the world did she get in there? <laughs> like, Simon was upset. He was like, do you know who this lady is? And I'm like, why is she in your house? Yeah. Right? But the thing was, in this day, the dining rooms were open to the street. People from the public would come and they would stand around and listen to the conversations that people were having. They would stand in like an amphitheater and listen to Jesus teach. The table was literally Jesus' pulpit. He didn't have this. I mean, there's, there's moments where he's teaching in the synagogue, but for the most part, what's recorded of him is him standing in a boat or sitting at somebody's table or at some pool talking. He, he didn't have our traditional church mindset of a preacher and a mic and a pulpit. And I don't know about you, but that is alarming to me that we've boiled down the reach of Jesus to being on a stage with a microphone in a church. It's a disservice to Christianity. It's a disservice to you and me because we're supposed to be following Jesus. We're walking like Jesus. We're living like Jesus. So what we're going to talk about today is just three things that we learn from Jesus's table. Super simple. Um, I am a pastor. I teach weekly along with my husband. I'm bringing that straight to you. I don't have a big fancy uh, guest speaker message for you today, but I just believe that we can't overlook the table. We can't forget the place where Jesus did the majority of his ministry. So number one, the table is where we find common ground. Like I said earlier, sometimes you're going to walk into a place and you're going to be like, Nobody in here gets me. Have you ever felt that? Felt alone? Felt like you're the odd one out? You're the outcast? So in every conversation, here's a social tip. Find common ground. And sometimes there's going to be people that the only common ground you have is that you're both human and breathing. <laughs> okay? That's just the reality. But hey, that is common ground. Okay? Like passions, like thinking, helps you build relationships. Some of you might struggle being socially awkward, okay? Having anxiety, having whatever. Totally fine. The easiest thing for you to do is find common ground. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.22, he said, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. And this is Paul speaking, but Paul modeled everything in his ministry off of the one, Jesus, who was their guiding light. And Jesus, he met with tax collectors. He met with sinners. He met with the worst of the worst. He met with prostitutes and yet found common ground with every single one of those people. It may not account the exact details of how he did that, but how do the worst people on planet Earth feel 
more like themselves in the presence of God than they have felt in their entire life. We have Christianity, and I'm not talking to anybody in here, okay? This is for them out there, all right? But we have a Christianity that bad people actually feel uncomfortable in our presence because we are not finding common ground. Paul said, when I am with those who are weak, I share in their weakness. I do whatever I can to make people see who Jesus is in my life. I love that. At the table, we find common ground. It's a great place to start. Number two, actually, you know what? I want to make a point about that. Jesus was God incarnate, and he came to the earth and told stories about farming. That was his choice. He, scripture says he literally was the word. All the words in the universe were contained in him, yet he chose to tell stories about farming. God himself found common ground with the people he was talking to. You and I surely can do this. I never want to be that person that walks into the room and just because I know a lot about the Bible doesn't mean that I have to act like I know a lot about the Bible. You know what I mean? Like, I can take a back seat for a half hour in a conversation and just listen to somebody. That's finding common ground and that is irresistible to people. That is how people feel loved and accepted in our presence. When they know who we are, they know we go to church every Sunday, and yet they're with us for a coffee date, and they don't feel judged, and they don't feel like they're a bad person just by being with us. I don't know why I said that, but I said it for somebody. So number two, the table is where we engage. That's literally the name of this church. Good name. You know you can be somewhere and just not be present? You can be in this room every weekend and not be present. Okay? Sometimes it's hard. It's not just, it's everybody. There are some Sundays where I walk into our services and I'm like, be here. Woo! Tuning in. Got to be here because it's so easy for us to disengage. And there's a story in Luke 10. Verse 38, and uh, it says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus. Think about that. She literally cuts off the Son of God. How many times have you and I interrupted Jesus? He's trying to do something. He's trying to speak to us. He's trying to speak through us to somebody else. And we do this. She says, Lord... 
don't you think it's unfair that my sister literally left me to do all of this by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you so upset and troubled, pulled away by all of these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. I want to tell you that the choice to engage will always be better than the choice to be busy. There is a lot of us that are really busy doing the things of God, but not engaging with what God is doing in the moment. We're busy serving and we're busy working, and we're busy running, and we forget the purpose. The purpose with Jesus is always about relationship. The purpose to your and my job is relationship. It's to build relationships with people and lead them to Jesus. That is our purpose. But it's really easy to get busy doing things and not engaging with the things that God is doing. And you know what I find is that sometimes I'm not busy physically, but I'm busy up here. Like when Jesus spoke to Martha, he said, why are you so upset? Why are you so anxious? Why are you so worried? Because you're missing what's happening in this moment right here. You're missing what I'm trying to do here in this moment. And I want to encourage you that the problem isn't the worry, okay? People worry. It happens. But we have to engage with what he is doing, okay? The problem wasn't Martha getting everything ready for this dinner, okay? Things needed to get done. But there was something happening in that moment that she, because she was anxious, because she was worried, because she was distracted, she literally missed what God was doing in that moment. And I feel like we need to ask ourselves a couple questions. Are you so busy that you can't spend time with people? Are you, are you too busy for relationships? Because if we are, we got to reprioritize because relationship was the most important thing to Jesus. And if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to actually follow Jesus. I'm going to do what he did. And then the second question, this guy, I just met him today. He's so cute, little George. And then this is my second question. Is your mind so busy that you can't actually engage with what God is saying and doing in a moment? There could be a moment at work where God's trying to speak to you. He's trying to lead you to do something. But you're so worried about A, B, or C that you actually are missing the memos. You're missing the messages. And you're missing opportunities for relationships in our lives. The table is where we have to engage. And you know, this starts right here. You know, I've been talking a lot about your workplace or whatever because I do believe that 
we are called 100% to influence the people in our lives and in our circle. 100%. But it starts right here. Like, are we engaged when we're at this table? Because this is a table that we gather at every weekend. Are we engaged at this table? Are we present? Are we hearing what God is saying in the moment? Or are we just waiting until it's over? Because God is trying to speak always. He's trying to reach us. I was on a plane last night, and I was tired. And uh, it was like, I don't know, midnight or something. And I'm sitting there, and I have this thing where every time I'm going to preach on something, before I speak on it, God, like, makes me live it. It's like the craziest, oddest thing. And, uh, I, like, I'm telling you to the specifics before I speak anything, he makes me, he brings me into a situation. And last night I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm tired and I'm preaching at three services tomorrow and I don't know these people and they don't know me and some of them don't like me already and I'm just, <laughs> like, I'm just being completely gut level honest. And I'm like, I open up my phone and I go to open up Netflix. And the Holy Spirit's like, really? Really? You're so busy sitting there, distracted, anxious, worried about the thing that I've called you to do. You're missing a moment right here. And you open up Netflix. And I literally, as quick as my thumb swiped up, I closed the app. And I put in my AirPods, and I started listening to worship. And God met me in that moment, and he spoke to me. And how many moments do we miss when we don't engage with what he's doing in the moment? I just, the table, maybe the table is an air, airport airplane tray. Maybe that's your table in that moment. But the table is where we have to engage. Okay, number three. The table is where you meet Jesus. So the early church practiced this. They had, they had church around dinner tables, okay? Um, Jesus himself used the dinner table all throughout his ministry. Most of his parables were taught from the dinner table. During the Last Supper, Jesus literally took an annual dinner event and turned it into a vision for doing church at the Passover. He said, every time you gather and do this, think of me. And so Jesus embedded the gospel into dinner time culture. And Acts 2 says that the believers gathered in homes daily and shared meals together and celebrated all that God was doing. And here's the fact. Over the 300 years of the early church where Christian gatherings were at the table, the church grew from 20,000 to over 20 million people. In other words, many, many, many sinners met their Savior over a table of food. Not in an Easter service not at a Christmas service, and we need those things, and I love those things, 
But Jesus wants to meet people at your table. Not at the pastor's table. Not at the church's table. At your table. The table is where we can find common ground with people. They can feel relaxed. They can feel like they can be themselves. If we engage at the table, we literally can be right in tune with what God is saying and doing in that moment. And then the table is where people meet Jesus. I'll close with this story. Two and a half years ago, a 24-year-old girl walked into our church her mom made her come and this girl was I found out later she was an alcoholic by 24 she lived out of her car partying she was in abusive relationships addicted to drugs and Honestly, absolutely not interested in coming to church, as many of those people are. And uh, she had come to a sisterhood service, which is our women's ministry. She'd come to an Easter, still battling all these things in her life. And uh, one connect group semester, it's our small groups. My husband and I, we were not pastors then. We were, but not like we are now. Um, we said, you know what? Let's start a group, and it's called Hamont Eats. So the hashtag for our city is Hamont. And we're like, let's just get together every Friday night and eat somewhere different in the city. Because the way to my husband and my heart is food. We travel to eat. We live to eat. Okay, I had to get a personal trainer because I ate a little too much. Seriously, I've lost 60 pounds in the last six months. Anyways, don't cheer for that. It's, it needed to be done. It's not the point. <laughs> but we had this thought for this group. I didn't even know this message then. I hadn't thought of this yet. But this girl decides to sign up because, hey, who doesn't like food? Everybody needs to eat. So we have this group and we do our first dinner and she shows up. And I pull out a chair next to me and she sits there and she came every week for that connect group. And it was at that table that she met Jesus wasn't at the Easter service wasn't at the sisterhood service it wasn't during the Sunday worship experience all necessary it was at the dinner table looking into the eyes of everyday believers who loved Jesus and who lived to the best of our ability what he preached I am so blessed and honored to tell you that that girl is literally sitting right here traveling with me on this trip. 
serving Jesus, transformed, healed, called to the ministry, has the call of God on her life to be a pastor, and has this story about meeting Jesus at the table. I want to ask you, who's waiting to encounter Jesus at your table? What would this church look like? You guys got a lot going on here. It's going to be good. But God is not even close to being done. He's not even cracked the surface. Because there are people in this city that will not walk into a church service, but they'll come sit at your table. There are people that you've been praying for for years that won't come to church. Get them at your table. Engage with them. Give Jesus an opportunity to meet them. I believe in this message. I believe that the nation of Canada has not fully responded to the gospel that we've been presenting all these years. And there's a new generation, there's a new culture, there's a new day. And we're going back to a very age-old thing. The table is as old as it gets. But there are many, many people who are destined to meet their Savior at your table. Would you stand with me today?